So good to see you all and uh, great to be with you. We're working through the book of Colossians. If you wouldn't mind turning with me to uh, the third chapter in Colossians. If you're newer here, basically we just work through sections of the scripture and see what God has for us. If you don't own a Bible, there's one in the chairs in front of you. If you don't have one at home, you can steal that one or have it. It would be great. As you're turning there uh, this morning, each week as I uh, work through the passage, I try to get some kind of a picture or a, a visual and uh, well, the picture that came to mind uh, this, this week in this uh, text that we're in is this picture of a, a ripple effect. One of the, the things that I enjoyed growing up in the Midwest, we had a lot of ponds and lakes. And one of my favorite things to do with my uh, friend Sherm when we were growing up is uh, we had this pond that was close by. In the early morning, it would, have just, it would just be completely still, like it just glass. I don't know if you've seen a lake like that where there's not, not a ripple in the whole thing. And we'd go and look for the largest rock possible and throw it up as high as you possibly could. Anybody else do this or am I the only one? Throw it up as high as you possibly could and then watch the whole thing just take off. Like the ripple would just go through the whole lake. And uh, actually, I still enjoy doing that stuff, right, Rick? Like, uh, that's a thing. And, uh, and I was uh, thinking about that. I was like, you know, isn't that the picture that we have in the book of Colossians of, of what Paul's, he's trying to get this intent across to the early church of what he expected when our life collides with the love and grace of Jesus Christ, when we have that collision, that it's intended to have this ripple effect that goes into every facet of your life. Every single facet, people are like, whoa, he's had a collision with the rock. Like that changes everything. This morning in our text, he's been talking about for the last couple sections, he's been talking about where this, this transformation that's intended to start on the inside supposed to change the way we look and the way we see things, the perspective in which we have, that it's supposed to ripple into really all the primary relationships in our life. And so this week, we're going to talk specifically to the different groups that is intended to affect first a message for wives and husbands, and it talks about parents and children, and then, of course, another primary group of relationships, the workplace for all of us. I believe that without doubt, there's a message in this section for every single one of us and a charge to ripple into the world in which we've been placed. Let me pray as we begin this section. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this chance to be together and even the beauty of your uh, creation outside, the warm sunshine. It's just good to be in your house. Now we ask that you'd free us of distraction that you'd speak to us specifically, that it wouldn't be a message for the person down the row or the person next to us, that it would be a word for us this morning. We invite that. We ask that now in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So chapter 3, verse 18, so often as someone's filling in or a guest speaker, they always complain because they're like, oh, they made me talk about this part of Scripture. Okay, chapter, uh, verse 18. Wives... Submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Two short verses, a lot to explore there. I heard this story this week of a, of a seven-year-old kid, a little girl that was, had just seen Cinderella for the very first time and was telling her older sister about the experience, telling her about the whole story. Now, her older sister had seen it like lots and lots of times. And so uh, she's trying to, the older sister's trying to fast track the storytelling, kind of like, okay, and we get it. And then this happened, this happened. And then it ends with them living forever and ever, happily ever after, right? 
seven-year-old's like, no, they got married. And so she had to correct them uh, that this idea and that this picture, unfortunately, even as a seven-year-old, you get the idea that sometimes marriage isn't exactly the way that God intended it. We've wandered pretty far away from his initial design for it to be something that flourishes, something that's vibrant, something that has, has life. And so this morning, going back to his initial design, I think could be healthy for all or many of us. But here's a couple things, couple ground rules for this part of the the sermon. First off, this is an elbow-free zone, so no elbows being thrown here. Second, also the invitation, if you're sitting next to your spouse or someone you care about about, or someone that looks cute, uh, let's uh, hold hands. So we're going to hold hands through this section as we, I'm serious, like spouses at least. Uh, We're going to hold hands, so that's the ground rule. It's also a no-squeeze zone, so once you're holding hands, no-squeeze zone. So as you see, Paul's a gentleman. He starts first with addressing wives in this conversation, and what does he call them to do? It's fairly simple, fairly straightforward. Submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. This whole idea of submit, a lot of times that sends cringe, it makes us cringe. The whole idea, it's a perspective, a lot of times in our culture that we're like, oh, no, thank you. You picture guys, at least UFC, the, the guy that he's like, I'm, I'd rather die than submit, right? But here that's so often, unfortunately, within our marriage is also the picture because we've wandered so far from God's intent as it relates to this. It's gotten so muddled and so broken down, but here's the initial design is it does start with wives submitting, but to clarify what the expectations of this are, let me talk through a few things that it is and a few things that it's not. The first thing that it's not is it's not blind obedience. It's not blind obedience. You're not called to do something that threatens your safety, that threatens your health, that uh, opposes God's word. So it's something that's intended when it says submission to be within those constraints there for sure. Another second thing that it's not, it's not belittling the worth of a woman. It's not belittling the worth of a woman. It's just clarifying the roles and expectations of the roles within the family. You see, really, if you think about it, practically speaking, anything, organization, a a, a business, or the Los Angeles Lakers, it helps if you clarify the leadership, right? It's not belittling the, the role. It's just, if you think about Jesus, even as Chad talked about, what did he do all throughout his ministry? He says, not my will, but his will be done. That didn't make him any lesser. So this isn't Paul elevating man and lowering a, a woman. That's not, that's not it at all. It's just clarifying roles within the marriage. It also involves shared decisions. It also involves shared decisions. The intent within, in God's design for marriage is that you'd wrestle through and come to conclusions together. That's a, a common sense thing. Maybe old school business, it used to be a hierarchy, top-down thing. Now everything's all about team, right? It's because we've grown maybe a little bit in that area, similar in marriage. It's called to be something that you process through together, you work through and come to consensus and make that decision. It should be very, I can count, I probably on, on one hand, in my marriage, how many times it became to a, a submit thing. It feels weird because, one, you have to live with that person on the other side of that decision, too. But I don't want to short sell it either because there is a lot of times where there's an impasse and a decision has to be made. And here's the picture of submission. Somebody's like, well, I'll submit if I agree with them. 
That, 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 that's confusion about what submit means. Submit is something that there is an impasse on. This is God's design to clarify the structure of what it's supposed to be in marriage. It also, another thing as clarification, it's also a demonstration of our love to God. What, is it, what does it say there in the section? It says, as is fitting in the Lord. A lot of times you'll hear a wife say, well, I'll submit, I'll start submitting when they start actually getting their act together. If you're going to wait for that, it's going to be a really long time, right? There's no guarantee that he's getting his act together. We have to be responsible for our own actions. And I love that scripture tells us, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. A lot of times a woman might say in our household, it just works better if I lead. You're like, yeah, that's not, that's not within the confines or the design. We're not asked to improve or improvise on his plan. It's a trust exercise. Do what he says and see how he honors you because of that. This is the first charge. It's for the, the wives. And some of the wives here are like, oh, man, glad I came to church here this morning. But here, here, here's the picture on the other side of that is also what might be even a more challenging call for men. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The book of Ephesians chapter 5 has a mirroring passage that talks about this, and he actually calls husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's the picture of this, how this is supposed to work. We're supposed to love them like Christ loved the church. Was, that he- was he heavy-handed with them? No, he came with a, a heart of serving. Remember the, the picture of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. He went to every extent possible, even to the sacrifice of his own life to serve the church. Ladies, that doesn't sound like so bad submitting to someone like Christ, right? They're loving like Christ. It's not such a a bad thing. So guys, that's our charge. And then that context of love, what doesn't work? What doesn't work? Harshness. He says it right there, to love them and don't be harsh with them. Some of you might know this, that I'm a little bit of a car fan, and so sometimes analogies with cars help me make sense out of this. A lot of times I think that guys treat their, the, the, the lady that they're with like a Ford F-150 rather than a Ferrari. You see, a Ford F-150, it doesn't really matter if you're, if you're harsh or you're direct with them and, and what kind of sponge you use to dry with. You're, 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 you, you can towel it off with whatever you want. Now, a Ferrari, on the other hand... You got a baby diaper that you're like just caressing this with. Uh, here, here's the, the charge for men. You got to treat them like a Ferrari, not an F-150. A Ferrari, not an F-150. If you're the guys who are like, no, that's something I can understand. Uh, so you can walk away with that. My question for you this morning is, wouldn't you love, guys, to overhear your wife sometime talking with her friends and saying to them, I'll tell you what, submitting to John is so easy because he does such a great job of loving me like Christ loves the church. Submitting to Rick, man, that is a breeze because he loves me so well. Can you imagine that? Wouldn't that be amazing to have that said of you? And my question to you, one is, would that be said? Two, yeah, there's, a, there, there's at least honesty in church. That's good. Or, or heading in the right direction. So, so wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be great to have that said? And then, then secondly, if it's not being said, what needs to change so that it is said about you, men? What needs to change? What needs to be adjusted? What needs to be tweaked? 
I like the author. His name's Gary Chapman. I don't know if you might be familiar with his book on love languages. You've maybe seen some of that expression of different love languages. Really helpful. But he's written a lot of marriage books, and he gives a couple suggestions. Guys, if there's ever a time to write notes with one hand, this is the time. So three words, time, talking, touch. So start. If you're thinking, well, how do I, how do I show more love? Man, maybe start with time. Time is a great place to start giving, and not just any time, and not just time with the phone in your hand. Put the phone down and choosing to engage with them. Guys are like, well, how much time? Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. I liked in his book, he actually had a suggestion. I thought this was cool. He said, 15 minutes a day, one evening a week, one day a month, and one weekend a year. Again, 15 minutes a day, one evening a week, one day a month, one weekend a year. Ladies, can you imagine if your husband, if you just had his undivided attention, 15 minutes a day where he actually really stopped everything and poured into you, what would that look like? What if it was one evening a week that you just said, you got rid of those pesky kids and he just, he just gave you full attention for one evening, one day a month. This, I'm telling you, could transform marriages within our church. Time. Talking is the second one talking. Here's the common sense, ding, 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 ding. Marriages go better when we communicate. Here, I, I know you're glad you came to hear that this morning, but it's, a, it's, it's really uh, the truth. And just to simplify things, just making sure that you're asking good questions to actually think through what's going to... My, my wife's Canadian, and it takes a lot of questions to get anything out of her. And so you got you to work. I don't know how that goes to, with Canadian, but anyway. But here's one question I jotted down this week I read I thought was cool. Asking your spouse... Three things that happened today and how they felt about them. Three things that happened in your day and how you felt about them. What do you think, ladies? That might do some work. Maybe some highs, some lows. I don't know. You work this out, guys, but it's worth the effort to talk with your wife. Touch one is another one that he recommends. What I've noticed with uh, Adrian and I is, man, I love like a hearty back rub when she can get her elbows in there on the back. Like a, but sometimes when, uh, this isn't going to get too creepy, I promise. But so, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'll try like rubbing her shoulders like the way that I'd like to get a back rub. And she's like, man, you're going to break something. What are, you, what, what are you doing? Here's, guys, we're not going to get weird on this, but figure out your wife. Figure out what actually makes sense, what works as far as it relates to touch. We won't go further in that. You get it. All of these areas, all of these areas are pictures of God's design. And it's not you waiting till the other one gets it right. Both have to start in this. One giving respect and submission, saying, man, I, I, I know this is hard, ladies. I know it's difficult, but it's God's call and design of how it's supposed to work. And guys, if you got this love thing right, ladies wouldn't mind it. At all. So that's enough for the marriages. Uh, you can keep holding hands if you want, though. We're going to get to parents and, and kids. Verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this, there's some amens. We got charismatic. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. I don't know if anybody turns on the evening news and watches and asks the question, where did things go wrong? Like, how did people get so crazy in our current world? Anybody feel like that watching the news? You're just like, where did, where did, where did things collapse? And you, you think about it, the truth be told, the breakdown of authority in our world starts with the breakdown of authority in our homes, on our homes. 
It starts there. I've heard it said before, like, hey, if you, don't, if you don't parent your kids later on in life, the police will. And the picture is actually true as it relates, right? Getting this, this obedience thing right. And just to clarify who it's talking to, when it uses the word children there, it's the word techna. It's not age-specific. It's not talking about toddlers. The idea is a general term for any child living in a home under a parent's guidance. And what does it say? How much are they supposed to obey in? What are they supposed to obey in? Everything, everything, and here, here's the what's on. What's not on that list is well, actually, that covers everything uh, because it is. It's it's all inclusive. It's saying, man, you're you're just called to obey. You'll have f- kids. You'll have fifty plus years to make bad decisions on your own this season. Let your parents lead. You'll make your own going from here. But the charge is this: is that it starts with obedience and parents. We have to demand that in our homes. If you don't demand it, you're not going to see that happen. People do only what's demanded. I remember my wife was in a Bible study back in Chicago, and there's a uh, older lady that was leading it and had a really high-pitched voice, and she'd all, she had this one statement. It's a little bit cheesy, but it relates to this. She'd say, when she's talking about obedience, she said, right away, all the way, with a happy heart. Right away, all the way, with a happy heart. Sorry, I had to do that to you. But uh, that, that was the picture. Right away, all the way, with a happy heart as it relates to obedience. So the first one, right away, when you're asked to do it, that's when you do it. It's all the way. Hey, kids, go clean the room. They throw a pillow on the bed. There, it's good. No, all the way, all the way. Did I hit a nerve over here? Uh, that, that, that's the, that's the, the picture is all the way is what we're called to do and with a happy heart. Any parents love to see that implemented in their household? That's, where, that's what should be keeping us as parents up at night praying, praying and put, investing in them spiritually. Who, who deals with heart issues? He does, praying for that, that God would transform your ch- kids, invest in them spiritually, and there might be a hope of a happy heart on the other side of that. So the motive, though, says because it's pleasing to the Lord... We know it's pleasing because it made his top 10 list, right? In the Ten Commandments. But here also he's giving the charge. So the next time your kid asks you why, what is our typical response? Because I said so. No, how about, how about try this one instead? How about if you say, because God said so. You know the one that made you, the one that sustains you, that keeps your heart beating and your lungs bringing oxygen in. It pleases him. So I would suggest that you do it because of that. That's the charge for the kids. Dad's parents were not off the hook, though, the second part of that. What does it say in the text? It says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And ladies are just like, all right, it's just the dads with this issue. Actually, the word used for fathers is the word patres, which can also be translated parents. So this is both of us having to get this right, not doing things that provoke our kids. It's a real tightrope to figure that out, right? You want to you have standards and expectations, but you also don't want to steal and, and, and rob their hearts. You don't want to be so overbearing. So I jotted down a list. You can maybe even see it in your notes. There are some, some different things that are, uh, actually, I think it's just on the screen, some different things that actually can provoke or discourage our kids. First one there, just to uh, talk through these real briefly, unrealistic expectations. Parents, Here's the reality. Your kid is not a tool to do everything you didn't do in that age. 
Your, your, your kid is not, is not your second chance at life. And so make sure you have appropriate expectations for your kids. You're just like, yeah, I, I was picking my nose and riding skateboards in eighth grade, but I want my kid to be like an honor student and uh, next in line to be president. Like it doesn't make sense. Some of the expectations that we put on our kids, make sure we're clear on that. Too heavy handed is another one I jotted down where there's a balance of you're not coddling, but you're not being overbearing either. Never disciplining in anger. That's one of those ones, parents, that can be so easy to slip into, right? If there's anyone that I would say that I lean towards, man, I can be just a, a little bit too overbearing. And here's the, here's the thing that's challenge for us parents. Here's what I've figured out a little bit in that area is when you've blown it, own it. When you've blown it, own it. It goes a long way to come. To think of how that sets up your kids for future relationships. When you're able to go to them and say like, man, I'm sorry. I just, I, I lost my cool there. Uh, I, I, I shouldn't have raised my voice. I shouldn't have done that. I, will you accept my forgiveness? It doesn't change the point that I was making. I still am walking through that. But I'm sorry. I, I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. Think of what that will train them for future relationships with their, with their husband and wife. And, and, and when you blow it, own it. It goes a long way. Some of you, that was the one thing you needed to hear this morning. So uh, too heavily handed, overprotecting, idea of no opportunity to build trust where you're just like trying to keep them completely sheltered. It doesn't work. Unloving tone, it kind of uh, relates to that too heavy handed, but using words that tear them down or depreciate their worth. That's a talk about things that can cause discouragement. Last one there you see on the, the list, neglect. Neglect can be with time, not investing them, giving them enough time, but it also can be with words of affirmation, missing out on telling them how great they're doing in the areas that they're doing well. A lot of times parents were really good at identifying the stuff that they're not doing well instead of celebrating the things that they are doing well, right? Am I, am I preaching here? Is, it, is somebody hearing some of this? So, so here's the, the, the last one with that, with that idea of neglect, making sure that you're communicating how much you love them. Sometimes parents, I, I hear them say like, oh yeah, they, oh, my kids, they, they know I love them. And you're like, no, how about if you actually open your mouth and say, I love you? Like that goes a long way. Like kids receive that. They need that. They've, they find so much from that. Make sure you're communicating love to your kids. Hopefully some practical things for this section of scripture. Continuing on. So we've covered the, the marriage deal, the parenting deal. Uh, now moving on to the workplace. Verse 22, bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of, way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Little background here, because upon first read, people are kind of like, master, servant? Like, is he endorsing slavery? Let me give a little explanation, because he's anything but endorsing slavery here. In that day, in that period of time, as Rome conquered new areas, they would take all of the, the men and, and women and basically make them slaves. So in this uh, conquering time period, about 40% 
of adults were slaves. Isn't that crazy to think about? About 40%. So here what's happening is he's not endorsing this, but instead, really throughout the, the New Testament, the focus is not on, reform, is, is not on fixing a, a broken system, but rather, but rather addressing and reforming the human heart. Because when you address the heart stuff, what gets fixed? The system does. So instead of trying to fix the surface stuff, he's like, let's start with us individually and see what God can do through that. Similar here as the church, we're like, man, we're not, we're not trying to attack systems. We're saying, hey, let's change from the inside out and see the radical change that could happen in a community, in a town, in a neighborhood, in a world starting there. So he starts there with the person's heart. And he invites them because he's thinking to himself, I'm sure that there's people even in this, this place of worship that they're going home and you've got the servant that's maybe going home that just uh, sang some songs uh, right next to the guy that uh, is his master. He's like, what does that relationship look like? Today, the parallel is obvious. I, obviously, employee, employer, the, 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 the parallel is, is similar. And a lot of you employees feel like you're a slave anyway. Uh, so it's definitely uh, relevant for us here. And what does he tell the employee to do? Similar to the kids, right? Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. You might say to yourself, well, I would obey them if I actually agreed with them. I would uh, obey them if I actually liked them. I would obey them if I even had a passion for my job. But First Peter 2.18 squelches all of that. Servants, be subject to your master with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Whoa, that changes things, right? That changes even when your boss is a jerk, even when they don't think straight, even when they come to conclusions that you would not have come to. We're so much involved in a world that's fighting for our rights rather than thinking about, hey, what does it look like to serve and obey in this work context? And you talk about a ripple effect. If we actually got this way, this area right, I think the world would, it, it would be crazy. They would notice like none other. What if you just say, hey, hey, I'm just here. Just let me know. I'm just here to serve whatever way today. Let me know. Wow. Talk about employers showing up at our, our door front. What's happening? What are you putting in the Kool-Aid there? That's the, the idea. That's the, the picture that he has here. So it starts with actions, also with attitude. He says it there, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Eye service is the person that like, man, when the boss is watching, man, they're really working hard. They're doing great. But as soon as it's away, they're back to eBay. You know what I mean? Like uh, that, that's, the, that, that's the picture here. It's not just putting on a front. He's saying it's sincerity, genuinely working hard. And here's how that's possible with a jerk boss. What does it say that we're, who's the, the audience? He says, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive your inheritance. I'm sorry, uh, verse before that. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. That's the picture. As you see, when the, when the audience changes, when you're, when you're clear on who you're working for, all of a sudden the work changes and the attitude changes because you're like, oh, I'm not doing this for my, my bozo boss. I'm doing this to the most worthy employer possible. See, our audience changes 
everything. Our audience changes everything. I remember in college, I enjoyed playing a lot of basketball with free time, and we had a gym at our uh, university. And in the gym, it had a couple of basketball courts on the lower level, and the upper level had a, a, a running track. I had a friend named Mark. Uh, he was a bigger guy and always was real close to dunking. It was one of those scenarios where if you threw the ball right up in front of the rim, he might be able to tip dunk it in. And it was always an aspiration of his. One night we're shooting around and we noticed Mark going up and he's just, he's just dunking like out of nowhere. Like what happened to this guy? And all of a sudden one of our friends noticed we looked up on the upper track. There's this cute little blonde girl named Karen Hardcop. He ended, up, uh, he ended up marrying her uh, now in life. I still hang out with him, but it's kind of fun. All of a sudden, when the audience changed, what? The performance changed, right? All of a sudden, there's an extra little bit of jump in that, that guy. You're like, oh, all of a sudden, he's able to go up and dunk when there's a different audience. You see, that, that changes everything when we're aware of who we're actually working for. That's why it's, why it's possible. When you approach your job this week, when you're like, man, I, I don't, I'm not really concerned about the, the here and now. I'm concerned about who I'm serving. It could change things drastically. He has a, a last word, and we'll wrap up with this. And he, he, he points out the fact that there's justice to this. He's talking to believers, and he's like, hey, there's, there's consequence for not. There's reward for getting this right. And for the employer... He charges them, just with the last statement there, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Treat them justly and fairly. To me, that that picture is, hey, treat them the way that you would want to be treated if you were in their shoes. I remember for a, a lot of years being under different employers, and so often I would be taking mental note. I'd be taking mental, someday if I'm ever over uh, an employee, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, anybody else do this? Oh man, if I was ever boss, I'm not going to talk like that to him. Oh, I'm not going to get uptight about that. I'm not going to penny pinch on vacation stuff. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the jerk boss if I ever get that opportunity. And uh, you could talk to one of the people that work here and see how I'm doing with that. Uh, but but here, here's the Here's the, the idea there for us, just regardless whether you're underneath somebody, you're over somebody, man, it, it's all reminded that we're underneath the same master. So even if you're the top VP, whatever, president of your company, whatever, you're not the top cheese. You're still answering to who? God Almighty. He's the boss. He gives that kind of last reminder because you're all under one master, and this is what allows us to work and make these things happen within the workplace. Just as I think about this, this, this ripple effect, when I was thinking about that, I was saying the ripple's supposed to go out, but if you think about it, the ripple actually goes back to the source as well. Imagine when people start to notice, whoa, this, is, this really changed the dynamic in their marriage. They're, they're getting that right. They're, they're parenting, and it's, that's transformed. How they interact in the workplace, that's transformed. What's the source of that ripple? This is God's design for how we're supposed to minister in a world that so desperately needs Jesus. When they see how radical this is, they're like, whoa, I see the rock that caused the splash to begin with. I see the rock. Wait a second. I want a little bit of that in my life. That's the design that God put in place here for this ripple effect. Let me pray as we conclude. Thank you, Jesus, for this section of Scripture. And as it's really a direct charge to each one of us, it's hard to sneak back by on any of these lists. My prayer is, is that there's something this morning that you're nudging somebody on, 
that they would actually start seeking you more intently about. We're dependent on your spirit and your, your transformational work inside of us for any of this. So I pray that that would actually move someone to taking the area that you convicted them about this morning more seriously. They'd call out to you for help. They'd be more intentional in that particular area of their life, God. We come together for transformation, so we ask for that. We're dependent on you for it. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. As we're singing that last song, the words, I will follow you, this is where it all comes down. This kind of stuff, when we're saying, I follow, I'll follow, i follow you, this is what we're talking about. Some of these charges, even in the text this morning, it's really a trust exercise. And I'm confident if you do test him in these areas, he'll prove to be faithful. Amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Let me tell you one thing as you're walking out. Everybody's grabbing stuff. Uh, there's a group of us meeting at Zuma Beach uh, Lifeguard Station 14 if anybody doesn't have afternoon plans. God bless you. We'll see you.